Hi there. My name is Andrew Kays, and I'm the pastor at Emmanuel Evangelical Lutheran Church of Paynes Point. That's in rural Oregon, Illinois. You're about to hear me preach. Now, this episode was recorded during the COVID-19 pandemic, during which time public worship has been disrupted. We don't have it every Sunday. Therefore, all sermons have been recorded ahead of time to make them available online. The preached texts are included in the audio of this episode, but you can still find a link to them in the episode description. Unless otherwise noted, all scripture is NRSV, used under the gratis policy of the copyright holder, the National Council of Churches. Our first reading this evening comes from 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, where Paul writes, We are ambassadors for Christ since God is making his appeal through us. We entreat you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. As we work together with him, we urge you also not to accept the grace of God in vain. For he says, At an acceptable time I have listened to you, and on a day of salvation I have helped you. See, now is the acceptable time. See, now is the day of salvation. We are putting no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. But as servants of God, we have commended ourselves in every way, through great endurance, in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, holiness of spirit, genuine love, truthful speech, and the power of God. With the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, in honor and dishonor, in ill repute and good repute, we are treated as impostors and yet are true, as unknown and yet are well known, as dying and see, we are alive as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing and yet possessing everything. Here ends the reading. Sisters and brothers in Christ, remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Just this past Sunday, with transfiguration marking this transition we have between seasons, we looked at how we have this spiritual need to ground ourselves as we are in the world. To just be blunt about it, we plain old function better if we maintain a sense of awe and the humility that comes with it. When we see how small we are in the world, and at the same time how profoundly important, we are much more inclined to live as we ought and to turn that sense of peace and purpose out toward the world by acting in love. And then a few days later, Ash Wednesday. I wrote in this month's letter that the function of this night, in addition to starting the season of Lent and setting the tone of this whole season, somber, repentant, and so on, it also serves to remind us of our own mortality, which is a strange thing to value most times, but especially at a time like this when human fragility has been at the forefront of so much of our day-to-day for about a year now. It's been as long that you may not recall. Last Ash Wednesday, my reflection was themed much like the sermon this past Sunday. There's plenty of scientific study, a lens through which we could look at the human condition that affirms the value of spiritual practices like this, what the church has done. 
Now, mortality salience is the name of this effect in which we become aware of our mortality, that we too can and will die. And then we draw closer to our in-groups, family, country, religion. At the same time, we tend to grow more hostile towards those outside our groups. Hence, if you want to rally people around a cause, an effective way to do it is make them believe they're in some kind of danger. Tell them the other side will take their life, their safety, their country, their religion, or something like this. The catch is, such a message brings with it almost always an increase in hostility and division. So news of hardship in, say, a congregation, like a family member's ill, that draws us closer together. But we still have to be a little careful that it doesn't make us hostile toward anyone else. And that's quite a task. But I suggested there's a parallel here to the past, this past Sunday and a spiritual need that is met here. Why remind each other of our mortality if it can raise these troubles? Why not <laughs> suppress those feelings and just never talk about it? That is, after all, the cliche, right? We white Anglo-Saxon Protestants, German-American Lutherans, a few, a few demographics have adopted that stereotype of burying our feelings and just never talking about it. But it turns out burying them doesn't work because you can't avoid being reminded of your mortality sooner or later. And if your tendency has been to pretend like everything's A-OK, there's nothing to fear, and you can handle anything that comes your way, well, that other side of mortality salience, the hostility that follows, will be much, much worse. Over the past month and a half, we've read and heard how Paul commended the Corinthians across two letters, mostly 1 Corinthians, but we're now in 2 Corinthians. He encouraged them to live in a way that embraces their liberty and salvation, the freedom they have in God's grace, without abusing it or behaving divisively or selfishly. And honoring that grace has meant throwing off the guilt of past sins, but not rushing headlong into more sinning. Today we read that as to be found faultless in their ministry, they have endured all manner of hardships. Those hardships were expected, maybe even welcomed, so that their purpose could be better fulfilled. He parallels Jesus' point that hardship isn't meant to be a badge of honor. It's what you're called to, and it can be good for you. It's just not something to brag about. And there's an important subtlety here. Calamity and other hardship, it could put us in this tizzy and drive us to hate life and hate one another. Calamities that were expected and endured for the sake of purpose, though, it doesn't do that. The same goes for our mortality and our sinfulness. You are dust. You will return to dust one day, but your life is worth so much more than dust. It has purpose. You have meaning. You're called to do things that matter, that are important to the world, the church, and your neighbor, even your enemies. In other words, we say it over and over, year after year, so that we can stave off this sinful, hostile overreaction that we would otherwise have. We don't tell you life is short so you'll desperately cling to it and attack anyone who would take it. We tell you life is short so you will use the time you have as well as you can. And so those calamities, when they come, they don't knock you to the proverbial ground. It's like finishing a plate of your most favorite food in the whole world. You could lament that it's about to be over and gone, or you could make a point to savor every last bit. It's better to savor what little you have left rather than to grow sour and hostile that it's almost gone. So that's it. The human condition, the spiritual need, what happens when we tend to it well and what happens when we tend to it poorly. So tend to it well. 
this Lenten season, as you consider your condition, as you consider giving something up, taking on a new discipline, as we look at our nature as hopeless, if not for Christ, as we consider the calamities and hardships, and tonight I remind you, even if there's no actual ashes, no actual dust to go with it, you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Savor the time you have. Do well with the life you've been given. Draw to Christ in everything. Speak well of others. Love your enemies. It's not just what you've been called to do by Christ. It's also the difference between a satisfying life of peace and purpose and one marred by hostility, division, fear, bitterness, and hatred. God, through Christ, has given us the former, the better, much to be preferred. Let us savor it and not squander the grace we have been given. Amen. Thanks for listening. I pray God spoke to you in some way. A quick note at the end here, which you can skip if you've heard it before. The audio of my sermons does not always include proper citations. While I do some self-study and lean on my seminary education, I also lean on my colleagues with whom we have a regular text study. I also use Luther Seminary's Working Preacher website and their podcast, Sermon Brainwave. Some credit is due to at least one of those sources. Wherever you are, Whenever you hear this, please be well. Take care of yourself and each other, and have a great rest of the week.